Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. Title for today is Are You Ready Part 4? Are you ready, part four? And this is the second coming, the second coming, and we're on the birth part, Mark 13, 24 to 37. Now, don't forget, if you really want to go in deep to what we're dealing with here, you can always go back to our CDs of Daniel Revelation, because we spent a lot of time on the second coming and what's going to happen after the second coming and all those different things. So, real in-depth study, or you can, there's a lot of great studies, see me, I can get you connected with a good study on that also. Okay, But if you look at your insert, I put an insert in there, because this is really part four. And down at the very bottom, you see where there's a ser- sermon series? If you want all four of the CDs or any of them, you can get them. You can go on the podcast, YouTube. But you'll see the four different parts to this service because they, sermon, because they all kind of build on each other. We first of all talked about the second coming and the birth pains. The beginning stages, and we talked about the false messiahs and the wars and the earthquakes and the famines that are we see in some of these things already starting in history. Then we moved into the contraction phase, just like having a baby, right? Jesus used the picture of a birth, and you have the, the birth pains and you have the contractions, and the contractions increase in frequency and intensity. And we talked about how we're seeing this with persecution, with apostasy, with false prophets and teachers, with an increase in wickedness, with the worldwide witnessing, that's the positive contraction. Then last time we saw how the water breaks. Just before the, the baby is born, the water breaks, the intense pressure starts, and that's when we'll see the Antichrist and his false prophet. Once again, listen to those. You can look at the cross-references in Revelation. Maybe, have we seen him yet? We don't know. He may be alive on the earth already. We don't know. But in time, he'll expose him, expose his true intentions. We talked about all that. And today we come to the happy ending. If you put up with those three hard ones, you deserve to be here for the, the happy ending, the happy ending Sunday, the birth, the second coming of Jesus Christ. This is the birth part, okay? The happy ending, just like you're waiting for the baby, waiting for the baby, go through all that pain, and then there's the baby, and it's a happy ending. You never have any more problems with that kid again. Right, okay. All that pain paid off. Oh, boy. Okay, anyway, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship. We thank you for the word. We thank you that we know what the end of the story is. We've read the last chapter. We know what's going to happen. No matter what's going on in our life now, today, whatever trial we're facing, no matter what the world is going to be going through, we know that in the end, your son Jesus Christ is going to come and set it all right. We know that in the end it's going to be okay. No matter what we're going through today, it's going to be okay. Because of Jesus' first coming and his second coming. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's pick up with Mark 13, and we're going to do the second coming first, verses 24 to 27, where he says, But in those days following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time men will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory, and he will send his angels and gather his elect." From the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heaven. So we get to verses uh, 24 and 25 where it talks about the sun being dark and the moon will not give its light. Stars will fall from the sky. The heavenly bodies will be shaken. And we, we see we're, we're at the grand finale. 
Think of fireworks, and this is the grand finale, all right? We know when the grand finale hits, you know the climax is coming, right? And this is the grand finale. You know that this, when this happens, when you see all these things happen, Nassau will be like, wah, you know? It, this is, the, we know it's right here. I know we often watch, usually watch the fireworks down at the beach with Jim and Diane, Paul and Grandma, and we, the kids, we all get up on the roof there and we're watching, and, and I like to kid the kids because the fireworks will start going off about halfway through, a couple good ones will go, and I go, here it is, the grand finale, and they get all excited, and, and, and then I say, okay, that was good, let's all go in, poof, another one goes off, and I, I keep playing these tricks on them, it's what I do to keep myself occupied, but anyway, but... But really, when it really comes, there's no mistaking it. Boom, 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 boom. You know, the house is shaking, little kids are scared. You know, the whole thing. There's no mistaking when it really comes. There's no doubt when the real grand finale comes. And that's what's going to happen. All these birth pains, contractions, water breaking, all these things happen. It's getting, we know it's getting closer, but when Jesus is really coming back again, there's going to be a grand finale. Verse 26 there, at that time the men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. We can't miss it. The grand finale sets up and you, you can't miss it. Everyone is going to see Jesus coming at the same time. We're not going to need CNN, CNN to show us, which is a good thing because they probably wouldn't cover it anyway. But anyway, we won't go there. But everybody's going to see it. And the angels are going to gather the elect. Once, uh, once again, if you really want to follow this whole thread where it goes, get the CDs, the Revelation CDs, and, and do the studies. But it's just going to be, after all this horrible stuff and everything going on, Jesus is going to come again, and he's going to set it right. And, and there's a lot more to it, millennial kingdom and all that other theology involved in it. But anyway, today, what I want to focus on Today is what Jesus says following this prophecy of his second coming. And let's look at what he says here because this is what I want to focus on to finish up this chapter. In verses 28 to 31, the first thing he says is, be aware. Look at what he says here. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. He tells us to be aware, to be aware, and he uses the fig tree illustration. He says, when you see these leaves coming out on the fig tree, what do you know it's what's, what's coming? It's almost summer. Same with us. We're in springtime here. Leaves Pounding out all over the place. It's beautiful, isn't it? Flowers and leaves and blossoms. But what it's telling us that spring's here, but what's almost here? The summer is almost here. It's getting close. And that's what he's trying to tell us. And he says in the same way, look for all the signs. Everything we've talked about over the last three weeks. Look for those signs that Jesus has talked about. Because when we see these things, the contractions, the intensity, the frequency, the, the, you know, the temple rebuilt, the antichrist, all these things. When that happens, the return is near. And it's very interesting that he talks about the fig tree blossoming and then follows it up with this generation. You see the connection? He talks about the fig tree, the leaves, the blossoming of the fig tree, and then he talks about this generation. And he said this, I'll read it to you again. Um, He says, I tell you the truth, verse 30, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Now what's he talking about with this generation? He obviously can't be talking about the generation of people in the, the 
common usage because that generation that was alive at that time, the disciples, they all died before Jesus came again. So it obviously can't be meaning the people that were alive with Jesus at that time. But the word also means, and it's been, it was used several times by Jesus in this way, the word also means race of people. Race of people. In this case, who's he talking about? The Jewish people. The Jewish people. This generation, this race of the Jewish people will not disappear. Israel, God's chosen nation. Jesus is saying this right now. Israel, God's chosen nation, his chosen people, would be preserved until the second coming. Until the second coming. Also, now get this, the fig tree is often used in the Bible to represent who? Israel. Often the Jewish people, Israel. And, and uh, it's, it's interesting that, that he uses this in connection with the generation. It's often used of Israel in the Bible. The nation of Israel appeared to be dead for 2,000 years. Gone. Gone. Some of you remember it being gone. It was completely dead for 2,000 years. But it miraculously blossomed. The leaves came out again in 1948. It became a nation again against all odds. It's the only, Israel is the only nation of antiquity to be resurrected. The only nation of antiquity that's ever been resurrected. It's just unbelievable. And then here they are. Even before 1948, the Jewish people were almost in danger of being wiped out. Remember the guy named Hitler? You know, trying to kill all the Jews? The Holocaust? Yet, that very Holocaust that he intended to wipe out the Jewish people in the entire world, that's what opened the door for them to come back to the nation of Israel. That's why that nation is there now. And even after 1948, as soon as they got established the land, what did the Arab nations all do? They surrounded them and attacked them, and their goal was to wipe them off the face of the earth. They were outnumbered 50 to 1 by the Arab nations. And what did Israel do? Once a stunning, quick victory. And every time there's been a war over there, every time, it's a six-day war. You know, it's quick. They're surrounded, they're attacked, and they win quickly. That's God's miraculous hand. The, the, the fig tree has blossomed. This generation has not passed away. Israel becoming a nation, again, is, is meant to get our attention. Israel is the key. Understand this. Israel is the key to God's prophetic calendar. This generation, this race of people is still here. The fig tree is not dead. The leaves have sprouted. And now that we've seen this, watch for the temple to be rebuilt, it's going to be rebuilt. That's next in line. That's going to be that's a stunning event. I don't know if you were following the whole Passover this past week. And what happened in Israel, they had a big celebration with a bunch of priests near the Temple Mount. They couldn't get all the way there, but near the Temple Mount. And their whole goal was they're preparing to rebuild the temple. And they're looking forward to the day, and they're getting priests ready, and they're getting the utensils ready. They're getting everything ready. And they had this big celebration, and one of the priests, and I'm sure it made some people very nervous over there, said, we look forward to the day when we will wipe that temple mount clean and rebuild God's temple. Google it. It's in the news. (laughs) 
It's going to happen, and then after that we know we are watching for the Antichrist, this great world leader who's going to bring world peace, and especially peace with Israel. That's all the things we're watching for. Now, this lead, which leads us to the second thing he says that Jesus tells us. He says, be aware, and he also says in verse 32, starting from verse 32, to be ready. I'll pick it up here. 13.32 says, No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Wait a minute. What is that? Isn't Jesus equal to God? Yeah. Yes, he is, but what did he say? It's very clear that he's divine. He's equal to God. He's the Son of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And yet, we see Jesus has voluntarily submitted to the Father. Just like my kids have submit to me and everything you know they do whatever they want them to what why is everybody laughing but anyway the jesus though the perfect son complete submission he submitted to the father in 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 every way he came down and died on the cross for us the father's plan he died on the cross for us. He died. He came and sacrificed himself just as the lamb was sacrificed. We're talking about the Passover, the lamb. Jesus was the ultimate Passover lamb. We're going to talk about that more next week when we move on into uh, Mark 14. But, but Jesus submitted to his father's sacrifice that he paid for our sin, everything wrong we've ever done. He took it on himself on that cross. He took our punishment. He paid the price for our sin. His blood washed us clean. That's what Jesus did. He submitted to the Father. Then he trusted him for his resurrection. He believed his Father would bring him back to life again. And he even completely submits to him for the second coming. Well, let's go to verse uh, 33. Jesus says, be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. Watch. Not just being aware, but to be ready. To be ready. Verse 33, to be on your guard, to be alert. Completely alert, no matter what time it is. To be alert. I know when I was in uh, seminary in, in Chicago, I w- worked as a security guard. During, and in one summer, they needed somebody on the, the late shift, the, uh, the, I guess it's called the graveyard shift, the, the, you know, the 11 o'clock at night till 7 in the morning. And, and the whole summer, I, I did that. And I just remember being so tired. You know? And I'd call Kim around midnight. And you know, we'd talk. You know, we were newlyweds. We'd talk. But then she'd get tired, and I'd lose her. And then, and then I have seven hours ahead of me. You know? And it was like, wow. What a, I don't know if you've ever worked that late shift. But, but by about 6 in the morning, it's like, you know, I'm just walking around, you know, trying to stay awake. And, and, but that's what we're supposed to do spiritually. We're to be ready for Jesus Christ to come. And we do get tired. Anybody here tired? <laughs> you know, we get tired. We get worn out. We get discouraged. But, but to stay ready, very, very important. And then he goes on to say to keep watch and, and to be faithful in what we're supposed to be doing. Um, each with his assigned task. Each with his assigned task. We're all given a job to do. A job to do. And we're to be faithful at that job. Ready for when Jesus comes again. That, that's key for us is to be ready. Because we don't know when he's coming. And we're to keep be faithful at that job. Wherever he's put us. 
So many times we think, well, what I'm doing is not that important. Wherever he has put us, he's given us an, a job to do. You might think, well, I don't really have a ministry where I am, or I can't really do anything where I am. Listen, if you think that, uh, i got to sit down with you, A, show you the Bible, and B, you know, you know give you some uh, exhortation there, because every one of us is very important, no matter What place in your life you can make a difference, you can touch hearts, you can touch lives, you can witness to the love of Jesus Christ, you can share your faith. Very, very important that we all are faithful, whatever our job is. It may seem very small to us, but but every one of us has a, a job that Jesus is counting on us to do. A very important purpose, every one of us. And, uh, and, and he expects us to be faithful to that job. He expects us to be looking for these opportunities to serve him. He expects that. I know when I grew up on the farm, we rarely took vacations because it was hard to leave 50 cows, you know, in somebody else's hand because they had to milk them and feed them and take care of them. And there's a lot involved taking care of all those cows, right? And so I remember when we finally reached a certain age, my dad decided to take a chance because some of the local kids in the neighborhood, young men in the neighborhood were working for me. He said, I think they can handle it now. We're going to take a vacation. We hadn't taken one in a while. And so we got my, into my grandpa and grandma's RV camper, you know, bus there. And, and we all piled in. We were so excited. We went to the Adirondacks, so Lake Pasico and the Adirondacks. And, and we had so much fun. It was a great, great time. But we came home to a mess. A mess. These young men that my dad had left in charge... When he got home, we came home to a mess. They had been racing the tractors and crashed one of the tractors. They had been out. They, they had been up to no good, these guys. And, and uh, I don't even know if they milked the cows while we were gone. Who knows? But when Jesus comes again, he's expecting us to do our job. He, he, he's expecting it. In fact, in Matthew 24, parallel passage, he, he gets even more pointed about it. In Matthew 24, verse 45, listen to what Jesus said. Parallel passage where he said, who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of his, the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away a long time. And he then begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on that day when he does not expect him, and an hour when he is not aware of it, he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Very serious warning. We can't just get lazy and sit around and, and, and you know, do our thing and, and live our life. And, you know, we, God expects us to be faithful. Look at what he's faithful at what? Feeding people. It doesn't matter what it is. It, it's faithful. Wherever he has put us, are we being faithful? Are we feeding? Are we, are we ready for the second coming? Or the rapture? You know, we, the rapture could be earlier, you know, or it could be simultaneous. We talked about that last week. But whenever that happens, we'll be ready for when Jesus comes back for us again. Maybe you're here and you're not a Christian yet. Maybe you're not ready for the second coming because you've never acted on the first coming. We have to act on the first coming to be ready for the second one. And that means putting our faith in Jesus Christ. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
God loved us so much that he sent his only son, sent him. See that? Jesus submitted to that. He sent him to die in our place. He died on the cross. He took our punishment. Somebody's got to pay for it. Somebody's got to pay for the wrong that we've done. The guilt and the shame that we have. Somebody has to pay. And Jesus did that because he had never sinned. He was a perfect lamb. Passover. The perfect lamb. Just as the, 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 the Hebrew people would sacrifice that lamb in, to take their sin. The same thing. Jesus, the lamb of God, was sacrificed to take away the sin of the world. But for whoever believes in him, we have to believe in him. Just, the word there in the Greek doesn't mean just an intellectual. It means to completely trust in. It's a, a, a mind and a heart and a life word. It means to completely trust in. To give your life to him. There has to be that time when we say, God, I repent of my sin. I turn away from my sin. Please forgive me because I'm putting my faith, I'm believing, I'm giving my life to your son Jesus who died for me. Who rose again from the dead for me. I give my life to you. That has to happen to be ready for the second coming. Are you ready for Jesus Christ? And what if he came right now? Would we be shocked? Would you be surprised? There's going to be a lot of people who claim to be Christians that are going to be surprised, but we shouldn't be because in 1 Thessalonians 5, it tells us, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 1, it says, Now, brothers, about times or dates we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. We can't know when he's coming. He's going to come like a thief in the night. It's going to be a surprise. It's going to be, there's, there's no way you can know. But while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly and like as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. Now we've been talking about this. But you brothers are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. We can't know the exact date he's saying here. Look at this passage. We can't know the exact date, but it shouldn't surprise us, should it? Because we see the signs. It's like a baby, is, you're expecting a baby in your family. You're not surprised the baby's born. You're expecting it. You can see it coming. It's nine, nine months. You've been waiting, right? But it's the, it's, it's the contractions. It, it, it's the, all those things that start to lead us to know it's coming. But nobody knows when the baby's really coming. You can't pick the date. We used to have game, you know, contests, you know, the, all the kids would pick. You know, it's going to be this day or that day, and, and we see who got the closest. Nobody could get it. It's a surprise. But you know it's coming, and that's, we should not be shocked. We shouldn't have to be ashamed because we can see the second coming of Jesus is coming quickly. Even though we don't know the exact day, we know it's getting close. We know it's getting close. Would we be ashamed? Would we be ashamed? How about our life? Are we living like the world? In Revelation 18.4, Jesus said, listen to what he says here in 18.4. Well, a voice from heaven. Then I heard another voice from heaven say, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues. And the voice from heaven, obviously God's voice, is calling his people out of the world. In the book of Revelation, just before Jesus comes again, he's calling us out of the world. Get out of the world and stay out of the world. And obviously we can't leave this world, so what is he really telling us? Get the world out of us. Getting the world out of us. 
Very, very important as Christians so that we're not ashamed when he comes again. Do you know a very, a very interesting story is the early church, when they were warned about all the judgments that were coming and what was going to happen to Jerusalem, and many of them weren't killed because they listened to, the, the, to what Jesus had said and they paid attention to the signs and they escaped the destruction of Jerusalem. This one article is by George Horton. There's a lot of them. You can Google it. Really interesting story. It says, Be ye also ready the amazing Christian escape from the AD 70 destruction of Jerusalem. Now get this. When the Roman, this is for us today, but when the Roman legions destroyed Judea and Jerusalem in AD 70, Josephus, the Jewish historian, says that more than one million Jews perished and nearly 100,000 were taken captive. Remember, Jesus warned this was going to happen, and that's what happened. Yet while the Jews suffered starvation, slaughter, and capture, their fellow Jewish Christians in Jerusalem escaped. The Jewish Christians escaped. How were the Christians spared? About 37 years before the destruction, Jesus had foretold the terrible events that would follow his death. He warned his followers to immediately flee Jerusalem when the signs he predicted occurred. The Christian community carefully watched for the signs and followed the Savior's warnings. History reveals the stunning fact that the believers obeyed the warnings fled Jerusalem to a town called Pella and thus saved themselves, the early church scholar Eusebius wrote, the whole body, however, of the church at Jerusalem, having been commanded by a divine revelation given to men of approved piety before the war, these are prophets that were speaking, prophesying in conjunction with the words of Jesus, the warnings, removed from the city and dwelt at a certain town beyond the Jordan called Pella. Epaphanes also attested to the Christian escape. He said, It is very remarkable that not a single Jewish Christian perished in the destruction of Jerusalem, though there were many there when Cestius Gallus invested the city, and had he persevered in the siege, he would soon have rendered himself master of it. But when he unexpectedly and unaccountably raised the siege, the Christians took that opportunity to escape. As Vespian was approaching with his army, all who believed in Christ left Jerusalem and fled to Pella and the other places beyond the River Jordan and so they amazingly escaped the general shipwreck of their country. Not one of them perished. Pella must not have been the only destination of fleeing Christians, but it was the most prominent at the time. The flight to Pella took place in A.D. 66 during the attack by Gallus. Four years later came the fall of Jerusalem. Titus laid siege to the capital and his battering rams broke down the great walls. The Jews who were already suffering from plunder, murder, pestilence, and famine among themselves were easy prey for the fire and swords of the 10th legion. Jesus had given adequate warning and those who heeded the prophecies survived while most others perished. Pella continued as an important Christian center for the more than 70 years during the time that Jerusalem remained desolate. The Lord told us that the signs that preceded the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple shall occur again, including the abomination of desolation and on and on. And then he says, the Christians who fled Pella and other places beyond such as Antioch and later Ephesus were saved, would we have been among them? Interesting. Will we be among them? 
Will we escape? Will we escape? Whether it's because of the rapture that takes us out, whether it's because God keeps us in the midst of the, the plagues like he did with the Israelites in Egypt. He kept them safe right in the heart of Egypt. Or will it be because we get out of the world? We, we purify our lives. We, we become like Christ. We follow Christ as disciples of his. Not just as these born-again believers, but we're disciples of Jesus Christ. Truly following him. So that no matter what happens, whether we, we face persecution and we die, and we stand before God someday, before the throne of Christ, and we hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Will we escape? Will we escape? That's the, the question that we have here. And are we living? Are we living and serving God faithfully right where we are, no matter how bad it gets? No matter how bad it gets. The USA is sinking fast. I said this many times. I believe we've crossed the line. We've crossed the line of mercy and grace. I, I really believe that. I hope I'm wrong. And I'll be happy if I'm wrong. But I believe that based on God's word, I believe that. The USA is, shock, is, is sinking fast. It's shocking how fast things have changed. Since we started this church 15 years ago, look at what we've seen in the country. A lot of things we faced as a church here in New Hope that seemed so radical are now widespread all over the country, even worse than what we faced, right? It, it's unbelievable how quickly it's happening. But we as Christians can't give up and we can't hide out. We can't do that. We have to learn a, a lesson from the church in China. The church in China is facing immense pressure. What we're facing is nothing compared to what they're facing. I don't know if you saw this week, but the, 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 the pastor's wife who stood in front of the bulldozer, it came to, to bulldoze down the church, and the pastor's wife who stood in front of it, I don't think they put it in CNN, but Google it. It's in different news outlets. It ran her over, it crushed her, it pushed her into the ditch, and it piled the church on rubble of the church on top of her, killed her. The pastor was almost killed too, but he managed to crawl out of the ditch just before the, 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 the church buildings came crashing down. That's what Christians are facing in China. And yet, World Magazine, which uh, someone had just loaned me, thank you, uh, they, there's an incredible article here about a house church. You know the church in China is underground, but this is a house church. It says, I'll read a couple of things. It has a, a school, a seminary, a pro-life ministry, and plans for more. And let me just read you a couple excerpts. This is a, this, is a, a, this is a church that's facing immense pressure. And listen to how they handle this. Because it says a lot for us in our country today. And it says a lot for us as we approach this end times and the persecution that we're going to face. It's called Early Rain Church. Early rain does not fit the common assumption about house churches in China. It meets in a commercial space, so it's out in the open, not in a home. Its members don't keep to themselves, and they are not low-key. The church started a, a presbytery, a seminary, a classical Christian school. Next year, it op hopes to open the country's first Christian liberal arts college. Ministries reach out to the most marginalized in Chinese society, the politically sensitive, those are prisoners, the unborn, the orphaned. Uh, as you know, in China, they have the mandatory abortion, or they have had it. They're starting to loosen up on that a little bit. Early Reign is also the first house church to use legal means to successfully counter government persecution. Yet as a trailblazing church, Early Reign is in the crosshairs should the government decide to crack down on unregistered churches. 
The church leaders temper their expectations and plans with the possibility that the government could shut them down at any time. Despite the risks, these bold believers continue the work God has called them to and believe that no church can fall outside the will of the Father. Pastor Wang, who's 42, uh, he, like most Chinese Christians, he's a fiery preacher. He calls the government-run three-self-patriotic movement church. That's the one that the government allows. He calls that church a movement of the Antichrist. I think we like this guy. I like this guy. When a magnitude 7.9 earthquake hit near them in 2008, killing 87,000 people, Wang's church suddenly became a receiving center for Christians all over the nation who wanted to help out. Um, They provided aid. Wang was in his 10-story apartment building when the quake hit. He watched the buildings around him sway several feet in each direction. Uh, John, what would they do? With, uh, where's John? What would they do in New York City with the vibration rules with that one? <laughs> right? Uh, seeing the buildings move, you realize that they aren't solidly planted. Nothing is stable. Life is short, so you need to do the most important and worthwhile things. In 2009, officials kicked early rain out of its rented building, forcing the church to meet outside Bay River for three months. Everybody say Lewis Island? During that time, the church leaders secretly arranged to buy a new office space, but again, the church openly appealed the government's eviction charges, and again, the officials canceled the proceedings. Churches from around China visit their church and their school, hoping to replicate the school, but struggle to find mature Christian teachers who can teach from a biblical worldview. Anybody called to China? Early Rain plans to open a Christian liberal arts college when the college founder, one of the people in the church, tells other churches about those plans. The main response is bewilderment. How can you, a house church, start a college? Lee said Chinese Christians need to rethink their ideas of college. Rather than a large campus, why not start with a few committed teachers and 20 students? Lee has considered the possibility that the government may may shut down early rain even before the college doors open. Yet we know that decision is in God's hands, not the government's. First you do it, and if you get closed down, maybe it's because God hasn't finished preparing you to start the college yet. But if you don't do it, how would you know he didn't give us this opportunity? Early rain is also leading in other areas, especially in regard to the sensitive sanctity of life issue. The church pro-life ministry has spoken out against abortion by giving talks at churches, passing out flyers, and launching social media campaign. The group has helped mothers facing unplanned pregnancies. Over time, they've run into a a problem, if the ministry convinces a woman to keep her baby, what happens if the mother can't care for him or her? Chinese culture views adoption as an unnatural act, although quiet illegal adoptions are becoming more common as a larger percentage of Chinese women become infertile, likely due to the high abortion rate. As they studied what the Bible had to say about adoption, they realized that adoption is not just a last resort but it's what God is calling us to do.
Many felt convicted and eager to learn more about adoption and foster care and getting involved in that. And finally, this part, stepping out into the open is rife with risk, especially as the climate for religious liberties and freedom of speech continues to chill under the present administration. Is this China or the USA? Yet openness allows the church to take its place as a city on a hill to influence all levels of Chinese society. Should the government begin a nationwide campaign against house churches, Wang is ready for the worst. It's a cost of being a pioneer, but one that he's willing to pay. Sounds very familiar, doesn't it? It sounds like where we're headed in the USA and the end times. And that's why what these words are so convicting that we need to be busy. We need to get ready for, they're ready for the persecution. We need to be ready for it. But we also need to be busy. We need to take advantage of this time. What a, what a challenge for us, what the church in China is going through. And what I believe we will be seeing in a very short time. A very short time. That challenge is for us today. And the words of Christ about being faithful are for today. Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, let's ask ourselves this question. What if Jesus Christ came back right now? Whether it's the rapture, whether it's the second coming, what if he came back for us right now? Are you ready to face Jesus? Are you looking forward to his coming? Have you ever acted on the first coming? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus but today could be that day. Today could be the day that you have a brand new life in Jesus Christ. You find your purpose, God's purpose for your life by giving your life to Jesus. By putting your faith and trust in him. You can do that right now. It doesn't take a ritual or a rite or a religious person. It's a prayer between you and God. And you can do it right now. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. He who believes has everlasting life. A simple prayer, God, please forgive me. I repent of my sin, all the wrong in my life. Everything I've done that goes against your word, I repent. Please forgive me. Because I put my faith in Jesus. I'm asking you to forgive me because I'm putting my faith, my trust, my hope, complete trust in Jesus. I believe he died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and have a brand new life. I put my faith in him. I give my life to Jesus. If you've just prayed that prayer of faith, you are ready for the second coming of Jesus Christ which we believe is going to be soon.
Or even if you go to him before that, if you were to die and go stand before him, you are ready to stand before Jesus as your savior, as your friend, because you've acted on the love of God and received the love of Christ now. You're a brand new person in Jesus Christ. You now will be given your purpose, your real purpose in life to fulfill. Whether you're seven or 70, it doesn't matter. There's a purpose that God will give you to fulfill in your life. I want to encourage you to let somebody know you've given your life to Jesus. Maybe you have a friend here or a family member. Maybe you fill out the card or you tell me on the way out or you text me, call me, email me. Let somebody know. So that we can be excited, because we will be. But also so we can encourage you and help you in your new life in Jesus. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us as we're focusing here on the second coming of Jesus Christ? What do we need to clean out of our life? What if we were to come and, and we were to have... Things in our life that we don't want him to see us with. He already sees us. What do we need to do radically in our life? Maybe remove something or someone or, or put accountability in a place. Whatever it takes in our life. What do we need to do? So that we're not ashamed when we see Jesus coming for us. When we stand before him. What do we need to get busy with? God has called us all to something, a very important purpose. And it's usually right where we are. It's in the circle that we live. It's right where we are. It's right where we go to school. It's right where we work. He has a very important purpose for us. Maybe it's Witnessing to somebody. Who is he calling us to share our faith with? And we've been putting it off. But the Holy Spirit has been prompting us. What specific steps can we pray about that we're going to take to prepare and to fulfill our purpose? What do we need to do to get there? Maybe it's being discipled or to disciple somebody, mentored or to mentor someone. Maybe it's joining a Bible study. Maybe it's helping start a ministry or getting involved in a ministry. Maybe it's reaching out to, the, to somebody, the person next door. How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Maybe he's calling us on the phone. Father, we pray we pray that we would be ready for the second coming of Jesus Christ. We pray that we would answer the call. We know this is a prophetic call, Lord. Lord, I pray you would open our eyes to what's all around us and who is all around us. Father, I pray we'd be aware and we'd be ready as a church family here. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.